What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the Saturday afternoon edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris, here in snowy New Jersey. I know there's a bunch of people from New Jersey in our Discord, but they're not getting too much snow. We're getting some snow up here. Surprisingly, it's pretty mild up in Cliffy's neck of Canada right now, which is weird because you're northeast of me. Yeah, well, it's it, it's it's a little bit chillier like today specifically, but it was like really warm this week. Like I was working out outside in just a sweatshirt, which like January New Brunswick, like that just doesn't happen. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, it's a nice day out. Went for a run uh, a little earlier. Interesting games last night. I mean, interesting games themselves weren't really that good, uh, except for Carolina just absolutely laying the wood uh, to. Washington in the final 10 minutes of that game. Um, obviously, the big news was out of Chicago with Connor Bedard getting hit. Uh, but it was Brendan Smith, right, that stepped up. It's like of all players to take out, take out the top young player in the game. Um, it looks like he was a fractured jaw, so he's going to be out at least a month, I, I'm guessing. Uh, that's That kind of sucks. Like for the All-Star, like, you know, I'm not a Chicago fan. I don't really care in that regard, but you know, for the all-star game for kids like to be able to see him and, and all that, that kind of sucks, but interesting slate here tonight um, because there is some injury news that might come from New Jersey. There are a couple lopsided matchups that we're looking at. There aren't a lot of games with huge totals, obviously Edmonton, Ottawa at the end. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, New Jersey, Vancouver, but other than that, there's like a bunch of six total games, which is, you know, somewhat low. Uh, for um you know this era of the nhl but kind of opens the slate up a little bit doesn't seem like there's too many super chalky spots and i like those kinds of slates yeah jack hughes did get hurt too i mean hockey players are tough as nails but like broken jaws a little more serious than like you just can't come back with a full face guard and play especially if he has to get his jaw wired shut he's not going to be able to eat solids for a while and he is tiny as it is, so like he's probably going to be out at least a month. Hope he recovers well, but good for our, my Calder bets. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Um, got a $50 super chat from Mark Brandon, 0328. I don't really speak Russian, but... Privyet Mudrugas! Long-time listener, first-time caller. This is your second time calling because you gave us a $50 super chat on the last show. You are quickly coming up the list of being the man. Uh, is Connor McDavid fast on skates? I'll hang up and listen to your answer off-air. My actual question is, when betting props, do you prioritize home team skaters for hat trick bets? I don't. Like, I know in other sports, like home court or whatever, home field advantage means something, but like, on ice, it doesn't make a huge difference. It's I, I mean, like, the home team obviously gets to dictate matchup. But, like, if the matchup is good, I don't care if it's if they're on the road or not. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll just say, like, I don't bet that much. Like, I'll do some, you know, preseason, like, point totals and, and player, like, pair, player conference bets and all that. But, like... There isn't like a huge gap between home and, and road scoring um, this season. I, I looked at it. I mean, this was a month ago that I looked at it, but it wasn't like that big of a gap. It was like 0.2 goals per game, which is or, or is a, less than that, 0.1, I think. It wasn't huge. So I, like it's not something that I would be too concerned over. I think 
no matter what you're betting, this is just a general rule. Like it's just if it's good value. It doesn't matter if it's home road, back to back, uh, what the matchup is. It just depends on the value and what kind of price you have on it. So I'd, I'd say I would just make sure it's good value. Um, there, you know, there are definitely spots where, um, you know, it used to be you you don't take teams going into Boston when Bergeron was there. That's not even really a thing anymore. Like there's no, like with Carolina's goaltending not really being that great, there's no one spot in the league anymore where I'm like, nah, I don't want to stack against that. You know what I mean? Or, or have a player against that or anything like that. So I would just say, just make sure that you're, that the value is what you're looking for. And if it's good, like go ahead. And of course, as always, please play responsibly. But thank yeah. you very, but thank you very much for the $50 super chat. That's, that's very generous. I appreciate um, it. Burns pretty much had a hat trick yesterday on the road. He had that one goal tipped by Sveshnikov on the power play. Otherwise he would have had a, a hat trick on the road. But um, the only matchup that I really don't stack against is the Markov line. That's pretty much the only line now. In the NHL, I think. Yeah, that's fair. And that's, all, that's even like kind of a new thing because yeah. Bobrovsky had a couple of pretty bad seasons there where yeah. it, it was like Carolina this year, where even if Florida was good defensively, even if you were up against the Burkov line, goaltending was bad enough that it, it didn't really matter. That's just something that's like really new over the last few months. Yeah. And I obviously don't um, stack against my boy, party Marty Jones, but no, I'm just kidding. Sucks. Anyway, he, we got big narrative street there on him, but we have a nice 10 gamer. The GPPs are a bit lacking because there is American foosballs, the devil a bit later uh, at four 30. Don't know how or why that affects NHL lock. I don't want to get into it. I will start turning colors. Um, should get into this slate, 10 Gamer. Before we do, as always, thank you guys so much for the support over the past few weeks with the affiliate link stuff. Um, you guys have really been showing out with the Super Chats and uh, signing up through our link. We truly appreciate it. It, it supports us directly, as we always say. Helps you guys get free content from us. You can be on more, et cetera, et cetera. Appreciate it. Like, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not someone who likes to ask for help. I am stubborn in that way. But you guys have uh, really showed out, and I appreciate it. And I'm sure Cliffy does too. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Yeah. No. I certainly do appreciate it as well. Um, like Josh says, like the, those kinds of gestures, like clicking through the affiliate links and, and things like that. Though they're what help keep us doing these shows. Um, as often as we can. So we re we certainly do appreciate the help. Um, you know, any, like every little bit helps, even if, even if you're not signing up, just like sharing, um, sharing our shows or, or, you know, subscribing to the channels, like those types of things um, still help. So uh, we appreciate anything that, pe that people are able to do for us. Certainly. Yeah. Now Cliffy and I can afford razors. My, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I need to shave though, but I just cleaned the bathroom and I felt really bad. Like I should have shaved before I cleaned the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, that's all right. You yeah. learn, learn for next time. Yeah. That's why I still have, never mind. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 2.7 total heading into Boston. The Bruins have a 3.3. <sighs> On Thursday, we're like, eh, we don't have too much interest in pit Boston. It's a six total. Blah, 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 19 goals in the first period. Yeah, five goals in the first 10 minutes or something yeah. like that. Like, oh my God. But I don't, that, those things happen in hockey sometimes. Like, neither of the goalies could, you know, stop a nosebleed. But 
There's a outside of Boston one. There's not too much ownership in this game. Interestingly enough, on Thursday, uh, we didn't get line, Tampa Lions until a minute before lock, and they went to Hagel Point Kucherov, and they're getting one percent here. They are expensive with a two point seven total on the road, so I don't think you need to prioritize that. Like, yeah, you know, Bergeron's gone, Krejci's gone, et cetera, et cetera, and Boston's still not the greatest team defensively, but like twenty one thousand four hundred on the road with a two point seven total. Against good goaltending, uh, I'm like I'm not running out to play them in single entry. But if you're gonna get that, if you're gonna give me them at one percent, Kucherov's having an unreal season, the best iteration of a line Tampa could put together, in my humble opinion, is Hagel Point Kucherov. I think getting the more lineups you make, the more you can get to Tampa one here. Uh, Sorelli and Stamkos with Paul is just not it for me. Uh, We've talked ad nauseum, Sorelli and Stamkos with anyone other than Kucherov, and it's it's been bad. So I have no interest there. Boston one coming in at eight percent ownership. Like I just like I talked about Geeky on the last show. He's really bringing down Pasternak that line. Like he's fine as a player. I just don't want to full stack that line with that kind of ownership. Even if it is a little bit positive leverage, I think obviously one offing Pasternak is fine, but. This is another one of those games where if I'm going to go to Boston, it's going to be Marshan Coyle DeBrusque. Yeah, I, I'm kind of struggling with this because you're right. Like Hegel Point Kucherov is the line that I was want, I was wanting to see. Like I, I keep talking about Brandon Hegel. It seems like almost every time the Lightning are on, um, he's just having. I know like the points aren't super high for him, but I think the thing to remember with him is that he's been off the top power play unit basically this entire season. I think he only has four power play points. Like if he was on the top unit in Nick Paul's spot, he'd be over a point per game player. Like that's just kind of what happens. And he's still not on the top power play, which kind of sucks for this matchup because Boston is like straight up one of the most penalized teams in the league. Um, 4.2 times shorthanded per game over the last two months. Um, Tampa Bay drawing an above average rate of power plays per game. So, um, you know, Tampa might get a lot of opportunities with the man advantage. It just won't be with Hagel there. And also, if I'm not mistaken, I, like I thought I saw in the morning skate that Sorelli was moved down to the third line with Connor Sheary and our boy Mikey Esamon. Uh, that's actually a good line that interests me yeah. <laughs> um, if it wasn't against Boston. But um, it puts it would put Paul with uh, Stamkos and Alex Barre Boulette on the second line. What worries me with that is like – Unless for whatever reason Tampa just you know beats Boston's brains in like they're up four nothing after the first period or something like that, those lines are changing. You know what I mean? Like I I, I find it hard to believe that that Stamkos and Nick Paul and Alex Barry Boulet are gonna last the entire game. And if they change, then that means they probably move Brandon Hagel off the top line, et cetera, et cetera. I don't. I, I really like this Tampa top line. Like. They're up over 200 minutes together with Hagel there. 3.4 expected goals, 3.8 actual goals. Like, they are a tremendous offensive line. Um, I just worry that the lines aren't going to stay together be- just because of what the rest of the lineup looks like. You know what I mean? So, I- I'm out on I'm out on Tampa, which kind of kind of sucks because, like, I really do like having Hagel up there. I'm out on them in, like, single entry. Like, I think there are just other, like, low – owned expensive spots. We'll get to them, you know, Buffalo, New York, 
um, Toronto's a little bit. Uh, we'll get to those in in a second, but I just think there are other low owned spots that you don't necessarily go to. I, I, I obviously have some if I was playing 150 max or something like that, but single entry, I don't think so. Uh, for me, it's actually like I, I get what you're saying about the Boston top line. I don't like having geeky there. Um, in fact, I was looking at the Boston power play numbers with geeky on the top power play unit. They're creating 77 shot attempts per 60 minutes of five on five. There are Carolina lines in Edmonton lines at five on five that have higher shot rates than that. Like they're just not generating anything. They're scoring once in a while. So it's been all right, but they're, they're going to be getting those second line matchups against that Paul Stankos line. And that is something that is big time in favor of, of Boston. So where Boston's not coming in with like super heavy ownership, there's actually some positive leverage per the top stacks tool on that top line, 8% ownership, 9.9% top two stack percentage. I don't mind Boston one here, honestly, just because I think it's a really good five-on-five matchup. Um, the goalies are struggling for Tampa on the penalty kill. So I think of any line in this game, I would actually play Boston one. It just sucks to pass on Tampa one because I really, really do like that that line. They have been really good this year. They were really good last year. Um, I just don't have a lot of confidence they're going to stay together because, honestly, that second line for Tampa looks like garbage. Yeah, they do. There's a... Uh... Two forwards in Florida that need top power play time. Brandon Hagel being one, Carter Verhage being the other. Put those boys on the power play, they'll have 90-point seasons. I'm pretty confident. Minnesota Wild with a 3.1 total. Heading into Columbus, the Blue Jackets have a 2.9 total. A lot of ownership in this game. Um Matt Zuccarello is back on the top line with Marco Rossi and Matt Boldy. Joe Erickson Eck moves down to the second line with Hartman and Marcus Johansson. That kind of leads me to believe, well, I mean, Columbus is home, but like if these lines stay together, um, this leads me to believe that Joe Erickson Eck, Hartman, Johansson, obviously going to be the shutdown line. Neither here nor there tonight. I am in a bit of conundrum what to do with Minnesota here because. That top line is 15-9. They're fully correlated on the power play, I would assume. They didn't run power play stuff, but I would imagine Zuccarello jumps back uh, to power play one. They have their, their ownership is much higher than the top two stack percentage. It's another one of those things, right? This isn't like, oh, Marcus Johansson there and this ownership is ridiculous. It's an easy fade. These are three good players. The problem is there isn't a huge sample. Zuccarello's a good playmaker, but, like, I don't know if Boldy's the guy that can carry the line like Kaprizov did. I do have a little bit of concern there. Like, watching some of the wild games, like, Boldy just has these lapses where he just plays awful for two periods, and then he figures it out. I Like, I think it's fine. It's 15-9, 10%. It's not like they're, like, 13,000 coming in at, like, 21%. I think it's fine. I just... There's other lines in the price range in similar matchups, maybe a little bit worse matchups, but they're coming in with like a fifth of the ownership. And I just think like, I don't know, big, I'm a big Rossi guy. I'm a big Boldy guy. I like Matt Zuccarello. He was a great, he was one of my favorite Rangers. I just, I just don't know if this line's going to mesh right away. And then on the second line coming in almost 10%, like I'm not playing the line almost 10% with Marcus Johansson. Just, it is what it is. Like, Maybe it's a bad bias. It, it could be a, ba- a hole in my game where I have a bad bias. Certainly possible. 
I'll need to reflect in some mirrors looking at myself later in the season. But, like, I don't know. It just – that kind of feels like bad chalk. I'd rather spend the extra 200 with a little bit less than 1% more ownership and go to Minnesota 1. On the Columbus side, like, Columbus 1 is 12,100, and they're coming in with 5x ownership to their top two stack percentage. Like, I, I can't. It's a good power. Where'd I go? Oh, you're still there. I'm still here. My screen just went blank, but um, it's a good power play matchup. I just, like, I think a Fantilli one-off is fine or a two-man with Gaudreau is fine. It's just, I was kind of hoping they'd come in at, like, three, two, three percent ownership. Like, six percent Columbus just feels bad. Yeah, I... If anything, I would probably play the Minnesota top line, Zuccarello, Boldy, Rossi, if I'm playing on the Minnesota side, just because all three are on the top power play unit. And Columbus's penalty kill has just not gotten better. Uh, there's They need Boone Jenner, Sean Corrali back. Like, that's just kind of the way it is. Um, so it is it is a good power play matchup for Minnesota, but then it's a power play for matchup for Minnesota where they don't have Kirill Kaprizov. So... I'm not super convinced that they're going to have a great power play without him, but that's why, if anything, I would play Minnesota one for me. It's the Columbus side's actually the interesting side for me here for a few reasons. Like one, like a 2.9 total is not nothing, right? Uh, the Montre- Montreal is at home. We'll talk about them next. They're at 2.6. We just talked about Tampa. Tampa's at 2.7. Like that 2.9 is the same as Buffalo. It's higher than St. Louis. It's the same as Nashville. Like it's, Certainly not nothing. And if anybody looked at the end of um, Columbus's game against Philly a couple nights ago, they completely changed the top power play unit. Like they booted all the Russians off. (laughs) Don't mean to call them out by nationality, but that's what they did. Um, And Fantilli, uh, Gojo and Danforth all on the top power play unit together. So now that's a perfectly correlated power play unit. And we know how bad, um, the Minnesota penalty kill has been, especially with Mark Andre Fleury in that. Like they're just allowing a lot of shots, and Fleury's not stopping a lot of them. Um, so I think it's a pretty good power play matchup for Columbus. One, like you're right, there is more ownership than I'd like. Um, 5.7% ownership, 1.2% top two stack percentage. But um, if Minnesota has been one of the most penalized teams in the league over the last couple months, they're at four times shorthanded uh, per game. Like if they give up three or four power plays to Columbus and they're, they have a tough time killing them. Like, I think this could be a good spot for Columbus. Like I am a little worried about ownership, but honestly it's a 10 game slate. And if you're playing a 12 K line, like there are a lot of 18, 19, 20, $21,000 lines that you can play with them that aren't coming in with much ownership. So even if this line's 5%, you can probably stack them with another line. That's 5%. Uh, so I actually don't mind Columbus one here and also shout out your boy, Kent Johnson. Kent Johnson was the guy that jumped up to the top power play with them. Um, he's playing with Emil Benstrom and Jack Rosovic down on the third line. Uh, you know, Benstrom and, and Johnson have actually been good offensively together since Johnson came back from his AHL stint. Like that might be, you know, especially where Johnson might get some top power play time. That might be like a two man or with Jack Rosovic or whatever that you might want to use. But I do have a little bit of interest in Columbus one here. So probably Columbus one and then Minnesota one for me uh, when factoring price in this game. Ken Johnson is a pest 
below the the goal line there. Big Johnson guy. Uh, before we move on, we got a couple super chats to get to. AK the Great, four ninety nine. I don't get to catch you guys live often. Just wanted to show some love. Thank you for tuning in on this lovely Saturday. Terrell McKay, $10 Super Chat. I love watching y'all and then winning. I love you watching and then winning. <laughs> <laughs> you could have gone to a really weird place with that. I'm like, I love when you watch me. <laughs> um, no, but thanks. Thanks a lot for the Super Chats. Um, you know, things like that certainly help us uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, and every little bit helps. And if, and if you guys are winning, um, that means we're doing something right, hopefully. Or maybe you're just doing the opposite of what we say and winning. And even in that case, uh, we're, we're providing the, the path that should be taken. So uh, one way or the other, thanks a lot. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. We have a group of people in the Discord who tail our slander picks and just crush every <laughs> night. So one way or the other, we're helping. Like we got to start playing like a DFS show slander lineup. Like yeah. played it, played in cash games and see how it does like for the rest of the season. Probably do better than I, I probably do better than I'm doing right now. I've been in the coldest stretch of my in the past three years. We'll break it out tonight. That's fine. Uh, New York Rangers with a 3.5 total heading into Montreal. The Canadiens have a 2.6 original six matchup here. Man, I whenever the Rangers would go into Montreal when Henrik Lundqvist was the goalie, you knew they were going to lose. That place was a house of horrors for Henrik Lundqvist, but uh. Two teams going in a little bit different directions here. Like the Rangers are a contender. The the Habs are rebuilding. Like we were talking about the line matching before the show because looking at the ownership here, there's not too much ownership on the Rangers' second line. We've been saying like, why are these teams treating Mika Sibanja and Chris Carter, Chris Kreider, Blake Wheeler as the top comp? Um, like, but every team has been matching them that way. So, the only decent defensive line the Canadians have, Caulfield, Suzuki, Slavkovsky, going to go out against Sabanja and Kreider, Wheeler. That frees up Panera and Trocek Lafreniere against the depth, and there's nothing there, right? It's a good power play matchup, too. The, the Canadians just don't take a ton of penalties anymore. But, like, this Rangers line is good five on five, which is not something I could say about Rangers lines since, like, 1991. Like, they haven't had a good five-on-five line as long as I can remember, and this is one of them. So, like, I don't know how you fade Rangers 2 here at 19,000 coming in at 3.8% projected. Maybe they come up during the day, but, like, they still, they'll still have positive leverage if it comes up another 2 3%. I don't know, man. Like, I'm in on Rangers 2. On the Montreal side, I, 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 I don't mind, like... I don't mind Montreal one in a nutshell. I don't know if I'll full stack them, but like taking a couple guys off that line is fine. Like a Cole Caulfield one off, I think is fine. Or like a Suzuki Caulfield, Slavkovsky Caulfield, something like that. I just, I don't know. And someone's just said in the chat, please tell me Offman's in play. Dude had a uh, shot, a shot bonus and a block shot in like 12, 12 the other game. He does. He is not shy. On both ends of the ice, so like if you want to play him, go ahead. But like he's going to play twelve minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not shy about playing a playing a guy that's only going to play twelve minutes. I've done, I do that quite a bit actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you on Rangers too. That's why I wrote them up specifically. 
Uh, in the picks article, free to read over uh, on stochastic.com. Just head on over to the NHL section. Um, you know, I, I do like to check up on lines that stay together for a while to see if they are cooling off. Like, you know, the Los Angeles top line is a perfect example of that. Like, they were great basically for the first two months of the season and then pretty bad for – not bad, but much worse offensively for like three weeks. And that eventually – and now they're broken up. And so you like to you like to check in on lines that stay together. Like, this Rangers line is still just humming. Like, 3.2 expected goals, 3.4 actual goals for 60 minutes, 5-on-5. Five five over their last 10 games and Montreal is taking a lot fewer penalties than they were earlier in the season, but their the penalty kill is still pretty bad. Like they've given up 13 power play goals against in their last 15 games. Obviously the Rangers power play is still really, really good. Uh, Panarin and Trocek are big reasons why like Panarin and Trocek are going to, like you said, are going to avoid that Suzuki line. Um, and um, like Montreal's team defense. I think the other day when I talked about it, it was like 18% more shots, against and 20 28 or 29 percent more expected goals against with uh the suzuki line off the ice like it's just a really good matchup of five on five and a really good matchup on the power play uh for the rangers like you mentioned that ownership 3.8 percent ownership 7.6 percent top two stack percentage like it's their top two is doubling their ownership they're a little expensive at 19k where lafreniere is not on the top power play unit but honestly He's still kind of at, at least on DK, he's still kind of at a price point where you don't really need like a multi-goal game out of him. Like if he gets a goal and three shots or something, like that's fine. A couple of assists in, in a couple shots, like that's fine. Like he doesn't doesn't need like a huge performance to pay off. So I really like Rangers too. They're one of my favorite lines on the entire slate. Um, as for Montreal, I also wrote up Cole Caulfield in the picks article for the reason that you mentioned they're going to be going out against this Banish Ed line. This Banish Ed line has not been good defensively. Um, their last 10 games, uh, 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes. That's well below average. I think the league average is like 2.6. Um, so they're roughly 20% worse than that. Um, you know, 4.7 actual goals against per 60 minutes. Like they're, they've really been struggling uh, defensively with Blake Wheeler up there. They've been a lot better offensively. That's the trade-off that they're kind of taking, but I think it gives Montreal one a really good matchup. They're coming in with a little bit of negative leverage, but like we just talked about Minnesota um, and all the ownership that they have, like their top line is coming in at 10.2% with, um, at, and they're under 16,000. They're fighting 15,900 on DK Montreal top line is 15,200 and they're coming in with less than half the ownership. So like, I think there are other spots to go than playing a super chalky Minnesota. I think Montreal certainly one of them, but it's Rangers two that are like best in this game. And it's not particularly close. Yeah. I, I will say like power play stacking is like perfectly fine too. Like if you don't want to play Lafreniere, leave Lafreniere off and, and, you know, add cried or add advantage like something like that. I think that's perfectly fine as well, but it, like for even strength lines, it is Rangers too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if Lafreniere is having – like, he's not one of those guys who I'm going to be, like, banging on a wall to get him on power play one. He's not there yet because their power play is humming. But I think leaving him or taking him off, like, <laughs> I'll pick wrong, so I'll let you guys decide what to do. Vancouver Canucks with a 3.3 total. Heading into New Jersey, Los Diablos is a 3.3 total. I don't know. I was thinking in Spanish, so why not? Okay. Jack Hughes got hurt um, last game. He did not return. 
there was no update on him. You were saying, like, I was saying, like, there's no way he's going to play, and then you look, they don't play again until Thursday, so they're probably going to err on, err on the side of caution and not play him. Um, he sure also left the game. He did return, though, so, like, if you are interested in the Devils here, like, I would definitely pay attention to warm-ups because I wouldn't be shocked to see both those guys be out. I would imagine he's your plays. I would imagine I'm leaning towards Hughes sitting and he's your playing, but you just never know. Line combinations, don't know. They they won yesterday, but, like, that game was chippy. There's injuries. I just don't know. Like, we were conjecturing on the lines before the game if Hughes is out. And, like, the ideal thing would just to be move Nico Heischer up to Hughes' spot and go Heischer Brat to Foley. I just don't trust their head coach to do that. So, like, pay attention to warm-ups. But if that is the line, I will have interest in them because Vancouver's penalty kill is not great, and they will definitely be fully correlated. Where my interest lies here is on the Vancouver side. They also have a 3.3 total, 3.3 road total. And the Devils played last night. They're banged up. Vitek Vanacek went last night, their number one goalie. So it's probably going to be Nigel Dawes in that unproven goalie. Vancouver 2 coming in under 1% projected. Uh, Vancouver 1 coming in under 2% projected. I think either line is fine. I tend to always go towards JT Miller, Brock Besser. It's just what I do. But I think the Pedersen line is fine. Um, I like Vancouver. Yeah, I, I, I honestly like. We'll have to see what happens um, when the coach gives an update. Like usually, when teams play back to back, a coach will give an update like a couple hours before warm up or like ninety minutes before warm up. So maybe around five Eastern, uh, we might see something on Hughes. If he like like we were talking about before the show, I don't think he's going to play because they are off till Thursday. Um, they're they've won five of six. This is a non conference opponent. Like it would make sense to me to. If there's anything kind of bothering him, just let him rest until Thursday. We'll see what happens. If he's out, I assume Hisher goes to the top line, but I'm not sure they leave Bratton to Foley with him. Like it would seem like one of those situations where they maybe they go like to Foley, Hisher, Mercer, and then like Brat, McLeod, Holtz, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like we're just gonna have to wait to see. Um, I have a feeling. Like whatever new dirt, whatever happens, like if, if Hughes is out, there's going to be some low line combinations because we won't know what the lines are until warmups. Right. So that's the one thing I will say about New Jersey. Like I don't have a lot, a lot of interest in them because at a certain point, like, yes, like anything can happen in hockey, et cetera, et cetera. But if Jack Hughes is out and you know, Dougie Hamilton's already out, they're missing Meyer and Platt. Like at a certain point, you're just missing too many guys where the value might get because guys are play, are moving up to play 17, 18, 19 minutes is gone because they're playing with much worse players. Like that's just kind of, that's just kind of the concern. Um, I would just watch for warmups. Uh, what I will say is that Michael McLeod is having a, I think a pretty underrated season for New Jersey. He's one of the reasons why their bottom six isn't getting run over every single night. And if he moves up to a second line role, it could be a really cheap second line filler stack is what I'm saying. And it could be a good second line filler stack because, you know, McLeod is good. Brat is good. Um, Holtz is having a, a fine season, like, et cetera, whoever's there, I think it could be a good filler, but I'm with you in general. Uh, like 
I like the Vancouver side of this. Um, the New Jersey goaltending is like, it's just still the New Jersey goaltending, right? Um, you know, Vanatek wasn't awful last night, but again, it was Chicago without Bedard for 50 out of the 60 minutes of the game. So like even get, I think even giving up two goals to the rest of that Chicago roster, uh, is a pretty bad game. Um, Vancouver, like they, there's not a big sample with Pia Suter on that second line, which kind of worries me. Like they're almost riding a hot hand. They're trying to find somebody to play with them. Um, but it is like Miller, Besser, and Suter that I would like best because I assume whoever, if if Hughes is out and Hisher's on the top line with Brad or whomever, they're going to get the shutdown matchup against Pedersen. And then Miller's playing, yeah, he'll play against McLeod, but uh, you know he's still going to get third line matchups. He might even get fourth line matchups every once in a while. The New Jersey penalty kill has been good. The goaltending's let them down. You know, big surprise. Where there's no ownership coming in on this top line, I really I agree with you. I like uh, the JT Miller line here. Uh, if you want to play the Pedersen line, I really don't have an issue with that. Pedersen's been shooting a lot lately. He's four shots per game over his last nine games. I'm not convinced that his line is going to stay together either. Um, we'll ha- we're going to have to see when warmups hit. I will say in general, it's the Vancouver side I like better. It's the M- Miller line I like specifically. Uh, but it seems like there's going to be some changes of warm-ups probably on both sides that are, are going to change around some DFS lineups. You know who the Devils' leading goal scorer five-on-five is? Uh, no. Alex Holtz. All right. I, w- I would have honestly guessed the Foley, but... They yeah. have to Foley. They have Hughes. They have Nico. They have Brat. And Holtz, when this team is healthy, was buried on the fourth line. Yeah, I think he was even a healthy scratch for once or twice. I know he's your boy, so wanted to give you some uh, a little that. bit of uh, rainbows on uh, this ugly day. As we mentioned off the top, if you sign up using our affiliate link to become premium members, it just sounds good. Uh, you get access to player and ownership projections, the top stacks tools, the line combinations, and the Discord. Discord's been a bit rowdy past few days i'm gonna have to i'm gonna start walking around in like a middle school principal looking for weapons of mass destruction or something i don't know man simmer down let's just talk some hockey um but yeah if you have questions lots of sharp guys in there you get all these tools we show them throughout the show but you get access to them 24 7 so just go through the affiliate link helps us out directly again uh, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but we truly do appreciate it, and it helps us out directly. Buffalo Sabres with a 2.9 total. Heading into Pittsburgh, the Penguins have a 3.7. <sighs> Alex Tuck was sick yesterday. Mispractice. Um, I would imagine. Yeah, the, the, the coach said Tuck and Greenway are both going to be playing. Yeah. So, like, I know Buffalo only has a 2.9, but, like, this line is still only 19-1. They're coming in under 1%. And they went into Montreal and ran some fools over. And it's not like it's an atrocious matchup. Now, I will say with Ricard Raquel there on the top line, that's the matchup they're going to get. It is a bit tougher now than when anyone else is really there, Rust or whomever. But it's another one of those cases where I don't fully trust uh, Penguins goaltending. 
this line's still underpriced compared to what they have done before. I don't know if I'm going to get there in single entry, but at that ownership percentage, it does raise some eyebrows there. I also don't mind the Buffalo depth here. Paterka, Quinn, Cousins. They're also coming in with absolutely no ownership. I like them as a filler. The real question here is what to do with Pittsburgh. And I'm kind of at a at a crossroads here because I want to believe that the Sabres have turned a corner. Every time I believe that, they just absolutely shit the bed. You know, uh, uh, just to, just real quick, I was looking earlier. Buffalo hasn't won back-to-back games. I think it's Halloween and November 2nd was the last time they th- that they did that. They haven't won back-to-back games in two months, over two months. Yeah, and like, I don't know, man, because this, this Pittsburgh top line with Raquel has been very good. And with Raquel moving to the top power play, their power play has actually been decent. Which for Pittsburgh is a, I almost went f bomb there was is a miracle. Frankly, it's a miracle. So like, I kind of like Pittsburgh one here. Yeah, I I really do like Pittsburgh one. Um, like Buffalo has been a little bit better defensively, but the one problem has been their penalty kill. Their penalty kill has still been very very bad uh, over the last month, even as the team has somewhat improved. And as you mentioned. The power play for Pittsburgh has been pretty good. Over 10 goals per 60 minutes over the last four weeks. Like, that's not elite. Like, that, you know, that's not like Tampa, Edmonton or anything like that. But, you know, it's like Ottawa, um, Boston. Like, it'd be comparable to those types of teams. Uh, So, I, you know, perfectly correlated on the top line. I do like Pittsburgh one. There is some hefty ownership coming in on them is the one thing that's kind of concerning. Like, over 10% ownership. Um, because they are so cheap. Uh, but it is a really good matchup uh, on the power play for them. Like Jake, I was looking at Jake Gensel because notice Sidney Crosby hadn't been shooting the puck a lot, even though he's been chipping, certainly been chipping in his goals. Um, Jake Gensel has 34 shots in his last eight games, like four, was it 4.25 shots per game? Like that's pretty good. Uh, I really do like pit one here, but what kind of interesting me is pit two. The reason I say that is because, like, the Buffalo's second and third lines typically haven't been very good defensively, especially the Dylan Cousins line. Uh, Dylan Cousins line sitting at 3.7 expected goals against um, per 60 minutes. Now, they're still – they're like a 55-minute sample, so certainly not anything large enough, but they weren't a good defensive line last year either. Uh, you get Malkin on the top power play unit. You know, Roth and Malkin were really, really good last year. Their only problem was finishing. Certainly doesn't look like that's been that big of a problem at five on five for Pittsburgh this season. So you get second and third line matchups. You still get Malkin on the top power play unit. Um, I kind of like Pitt two here. They're not coming in with a, a lot of ownership. Uh, 3.3% against the 3% top two stack. Uh, I think this is a spot where I might prefer Pitt two over Pittsburgh one, but both lines are, are certainly in play. I wonder about the Buffalo side here because they have been, the top line has been a lot better since uh, Alex Tuck returned this last time. Um, 3.6 expected goals per 60 minutes at five on five. Um, Jeff Skinner, 1.3 individual expected goals over the last month per 60 minutes. Like that's really high. Like they are generating a lot. And we just saw, the, you know, a couple nights ago, you know, one off night and it's five or six goals against. I think with Buffalo, it's kind of in that Tampa bin where 
they are coming in really low owned, but in a single entry, I think there are like like Rangers two is if they're coming in at like three or four percent, I would rather play that than a one percent Buffalo one. Like that's just kind of the way that I'm looking at it at similar prices. So I think I, I would still play the Pittsburgh side here, but I think there is definitely merit uh, to going to Buffalo. Uh, I just don't think I, I'll get there at single entry. Yeah, me either. I like them though, and if I was making even five lineups, I'd probably have a one. One Buffalo one <clears throat> voice Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> 3.7 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a 2.3. This game's at 7 p.m. Eastern in San Jose. Yeah, hockey night in Canada, bud. They're having you know, a uh, there's a whole country up here of people that watch hockey, you know. They chose the Sharks game to do that. Well, no, they just show all the Canadian teams. So, like, oh. you know, Montreal, you know, Toronto will be on one channel. Montreal will be on another channel, so on and so forth. You know who's back? I'll tell you. Marty Jones back in, in San Jose for the first time. Thank you to uh, bi-monthly deposit Frostback. Uh, he made that for me. I, I, uh, I, I go to sleep with that in my ear on repeat for 12 hours. But, yeah, no, he's back for the first time in San Jose. Spent most of his career in San Jose. Obviously, he was on the Kings for a little bit too. But, like, he's 8,500 tonight. I just – I don't know. We'll get to goalies at the end. But, like, holy moly. This game's about the Leafs. Like, as much as I want to like the Sharks here because it's Marty Jones, they have a 2.3 home total. 2.3. I'll probably get to some Sharks in MME. But, like, you look at the ownership here on these on these Toronto lines. Toronto won 6.3%. Toronto, two almost 15%. Like, I get it. Both these lines are in super, super good matchups and – Willie Nylander, Tavares, and Bertuzzi have been really good. But like, if you're going to give me lower own Matthews against the Sharks, I, th- I think like like you could just power play stack. You can probably just you know play whomever you want. I kind of like Toronto one here. Toronto two definitely fine. They still have some positive leverage somehow, and they're eighteen thousand nine hundred. They're cheaper than Rangers, too. That's probably why Rangers' second line isn't getting a ton of ownerships because this line is priced right there with them against the Sharks. I think you can power play stack. Logan Couture might be back tonight. Like, I don't need, I would imagine he slots in somewhere on the bottom six, but, like, I don't know. This is a Leafs game for me. If you want to get to some, like, Hurdle, Eklund, Barabanov, and NME, be my guess, but Leafs game for me. Doesn't this feel like a game that the Leafs are going to lose? Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they've lost to Chicago twice this year, and they've lost to Columbus twice this year. Like, this is not a team that plays up to their competition, and that worries me. In fact, I was looking at, at some of the Vegas line movement, and I think Toronto, Toronto's team total has dropped the most of any team today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. 
Maybe that's because Logan Couture could possibly return, or maybe it's just Leafs fans knowing exactly what's coming here tonight. <laughs> um, that said, I did write up Toronto too in the article. Uh, like we know how good William, William Nylander has been this season. Like if Matthews hadn't had wasn't having such a big rebound, we'd be talking about Nylander as the team MVP. And I mean, honestly, he still might be. Um, What's gone a little bit underrated is is how much John Tavares is shooting the puck. Um, he's just been firing at, like as much as he can. Uh, he's been, I think it's like 4.7 shots per game over his last dozen games. Like he's just been shooting a ton. And um, nine, over his last 19 games, sorry. And, you know, it's a low shooting percentage. I think he's shooting under 7% in that stretch. As soon as that gets, as soon as that turns around, they're going to start filling the net. The reason I like Toronto too, despite, um, despite the lower ownership on Toronto one, is just the Eklund hurdle line's actually been a decent defensive line. Uh, 2.5 expected goals against with Barabanov on the wing. Like that's pretty good, honestly, especially for this team. The rest of the lines are atrocious, which is kind of why I like Toronto too. Like, I think this is a spot where, you know, go Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, and with a double center, make it a super expensive stack. Go Matthews, just, you know, Matthews, Nylander, and whatever twos or, or nines or something like that. Um, I really do like Toronto too here. San Jose 1 is kind of interesting to me because the Toronto top line has been about average defensively in their sample together. And an average defensive line is really not something um, that concerns me a whole lot. Uh, Hurdle is the only guy on the top power play unit from that line. That might change with Couture. Back. If Couture's back, we'll have to see. Uh, but there's not a lot of ownership coming in on them. 1.3%, obviously only 0.4% top two stack percentage. William Eklund, one thing I look at is scoring chance assists. Uh, from uh, a Patreon called All Three Zones, and it's just assists on teammate scoring chances. William Eklund is amongst the elite in the league, like not for rookies or not, you know, for just top line players or, or whatever. Like amongst the absolute elite in the league so far this season. Small sample, you know. We're looking. I think that the number of track games is like 15 games, not a lot, but like that's still that's absolutely crazy to me. And considering like Toronto's been sitting around in California for what, two days now? Like, they haven't played since Wednesday. Um, it's technically an afternoon game for them. Like, uh, you know, four, four o'clock start here, five o'clock Eastern. Uh, you know, San, I could kind of see, like, Toronto kind of blowing this. I have a little bit of interest in San Jose 1, but it is Toronto 2 that I like best in this game by wide margin. It's just, I've seen too many Toronto teams just come up way short in this kind of situation. And it's that's just something I keep thinking about in the back of my mind. I mean, the Leafs just aren't that good. So, like, <laughs> like seriously, though, like, if you put this blue line and goaltending on, I don't know, Boston, that team would be atrocious. <laughs> so, like, I don't know, man. I have some interest in the Sharks despite the 2.3 total, too. Let's talk about the Blues. St. Louis Blues with a 2.8 total heading into Carolina. The Hurricanes have a 3.7 total. Ooh, baby. Svechnikov has, what, like seven straight multi-point games? Something like that? It's crazy. He, he is on fire. And uh, it's the Blues, baby. So, like, 
there's a lot of ownership here on Carolina one deservedly. So Aho has been great recently. Svechnikov's been on fire. Tara Vinen is the guy taking the pictures, but like he, I, I don't mind Carolina one here. It's just the ownership thing. So many ways to get different here tonight. Jarvis on the top power play unit with Stahl and Martinuk. That line's getting an unbelievable amount of ownership because they're 10K to full stack. I don't know, man. Like, I just, at that point, just go to Carolina 1. Carolina 2 with Cockneyemi bunting Drury. Like, Drury's technically on the second line. He's been playing 10 minutes a night. So, like, it's Carolina 1 or bust for me. You want a one-off Jarvis, I think that's fine. We'll obviously get to D-Man at the end. Burns is wildly underpriced. Kairu Thomas Buchnevich. I know they're going to be getting the stall matchup here, but um, can I jump in there? They've actually no since they moved Seth Jarvis down. They've been using the Aho line in the shutdown role more often lately. And I was looking. Uh, I think it was Carolina. Carolina was at home to Florida in recently. No, Montreal. Montreal just before New Year's. And Aho went out, I think it was 85% of his even strength shifts was against the Suzuki line. So just something to think about. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, Kochekov went yesterday. Who, like, he may go to, I don't even know who the backup is now that they sent. Is Freddie, Freddie Anderson's not back yet. So, like. No, no, but Ranta's on the roster. Okay, so it could be Ranta. Yeah, I, I like Blues 1 here. <laughs> like, that's what I'm getting at. Like. They're a good line. Like, they're legitimately good. It's like Arizona won. They're a bad team. The the top line when Hayden was there is a good line. Blues are a bad team. But that line is legitimately good. Pavel Buchnevich is one of the best two-way wingers in the NFL. NHL. So, like, I like like the Blues top line here. Ronta's confirmed, says Clayton. Pitchforks. We're going. Blues won. Yeah, I mean, Buchnevich is good enough where he might actually just make a good uh, NFL wide receiver. You just never know. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about Carolina 1. I wrote up Sveshnikov uh, in the picks article today. I, I suspect there's going to be some pretty high ownership on them. Like our top two stack projection, I think it's 13% and thirteen and change uh, for Carolina 1. Uh Mike, I have two issues. I mean, I actually have three issues with that. Four issues, now that I'm thinking about it. I'm just kind of developing them in my head. One, they're coming in over-owned, obviously. There's going to be – we have them at 13 and change. I wouldn't be surprised if in some single-entry contest, like you see Sveshnikov and Ajo north of 20%. Um, Two, where they are going into the shutdown matchup more often, that means they're going to be getting the Robert Thomas line tonight. And that Robert Thomas line, like you're talking about how good they are. It's not just offensively. They are by far the best defensive line that the Blues have. Uh, since Craig Brube got fired, they're at two. That's just a funny metric. I'm <laughs> just using that as like the delineating point. Like, sorry, Craig, but, you know, you have a Stanley Cup. Um, 2.2 expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. Like that is considerably better than the league average. Um, they are a really good defensive line. Three, St. Louis is the the least penalized team in the league um, over the last two months. And I think I, I forgot the fourth point. But anyways, we're up to three points now. Like, I think there's there's a, there are enough reasons to not play Carolina one here tonight. I, 
it's not a bad spot. The price is very good. They're on fire. Like I, I like all that thing. I love, you know, Sveshnikov is straight up one of my favorite players in the league. I just think there are reasons not to just run out and slam in a bunch of Carolina one here tonight. And uh, I kind of agree with St. Going with St. Louis, like Cairo, Thomas and Buchnevich, 70 shot attempts, 2.7 expected goals, 4.4 actual goals per 60 minutes of five on five. Since they got put together, the Carolina penalty kill, yes, it's elite. No, it's not when they have anybody but Kachekov in net. Like, there's a reason why Antiranta was sent down to the AHL. It's because he was absolutely atrocious. Now, a goalie can come back and be great. Um, maybe he just needed to figure some things out. I'm willing to, you know, kind of take a stab and see what happens Um for St. Louis one here, if Ronta hasn't figured his game out yet. So like, yeah, Carolina one, I think is in the best spot here, but I think there are a lot of reasons to play St. Louis one, especially at that 3.3% ownership. Like they might come in at like one fifth, the ownership of the Carolina top line. And in that kind of situation, I think I would rather play St. Louis one. I think it's, it's only the top lines that I really have interest in, in here. Like, Jar the only other line I would kind of consider is that Jarvis line uh for Carolina, Jarvis Stahl Stahl Martinov <laughs> coming in wildly overowned. That's the only other line I'd really have interest in. It is the top lines that I like best, considering the ownership and what might even be higher ownership on Carolina in some single entry contest. I think it's St. Louis one I like best here. Same. I think the fourth point was Carolina played yesterday. Back you know back. what? It actually was. Now that you say that, uh, yeah, uh, St. Louis with the rest advantage. So there we go. Yeah. Four four reasons why yeah. we're, we're making we a Netflix show here. <laughs> they should pitch. We should pitch it. Nashville Predators with a two point nine total heading into Dallas. The Stars have a three point five. I like Pete DeBoer for DFS. <laughs> he has been. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering which one of us was going to rant first. <laughs> I like Pete DeMar for DFS. He has generally been consistent, whether he's been the head coach of the Sharks or the Stars. Five forward power play units do not work, Pete. Thomas Harley. We had Thomas Harley tonight right there, and you canceled us. Pete DeBoer is the Grinch. The good news is that does move Duchesne up to the top power play unit. The thing is, like, Hints is going to run the point on the power play. And that's just weird. Like, I don't, like Thomas Harley's right there. Like, I haven't, like, Florida's tried a five-forward power play unit. Didn't work. Montreal's tried it. Toronto tried it. Yeah. I mean, Toronto. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like, maybe it works to them. But, like, Thomas Harley is right there. It's just confusing to me. Yeah, I, I'm glad you went on that rant because, I, like, I, I've, I've been, I was like thinking about this in, in the shower after I went on my run. Like, what am I going to say against this? Because, like, you know, we do slander coaches and GMs on this show. It's kind of our calling card. But these, these, these front offices and these coaches have gotten a lot smarter over the last decade. That's one reason why you don't see a lot of three, four, two defenseman power plays. Like, you know, Vancouver tried it at the beginning of the season with Horonic, got away from it. Um, Detroit's done it a little bit with Cedar and Goss to spare, but not very many teams do it anymore. And certainly not for an entire season. Um, 
if five forward power plays worked, especially with teams like Florida and Toronto, Toronto trying them because, you know, they are like, quote, two of the more smart teams in the league. If they try it and get away from it pretty quickly, it should probably tell you that maybe it's not viable. The reason why I don't think it works is when you're a forward, a, a forward and defenseman are just two completely different positions. And it's not to say a forward can't learn to play defense, but I think it's something that you would need to practice for like a couple years before you can become proficient with it. Because when you're a defenseman, like there are different passing lanes, there's different timings, um, there's whether to take a shot or not, like all those things um, that a forward rarely ever has to deal with. Um, a defenseman has been dealing with their entire lives. Um, I think that's why four forward, one defenseman power plays work uh, pretty well and why I'm not sure that five forward power plays do. With all that said, I'm very frustrated, or at least not on the top power play. I still think he's going to get a lot of ice time. Like, he's certainly playable in DFS. I, I have him as my number two, like, mid-price defenseman on the, on the entire board here tonight. So uh, he's still playable. I just don't really like having a five forward power play setup at all. I agree with you. Uh, it's just not something I'm a fan of. Now, Dallas one getting to the line combinations. Dallas one is kind of interesting for me because they're obviously they're all in the top power play unit, but they're going to be matched up against the Nashville top line and the Nashville top line, their defensive numbers have really started sliding their last 10 games. They're at 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes of five on five. Now, UC Saros is UC Saros, so he's been able to keep the goals against reasonable, but we know how efficient this Dallas top line can be. I kind of like Dallas one uh, in this matchup here tonight. You know, if you want to dip down to, you know, Dallas two, Dallas three, I would probably play the Duchesne line, but they are much more expensive uh, to play than than the Wyatt Johnson, Jamie Benn, Evgeny Dodonoff line. But I do like Dallas one in this matchup. Should also know Dennis Gurianov is going to be in the lineup for Nashville. That's like one of the all-time narrative street uh, appearances because uh, he got yeeted uh, from Dallas a couple seasons ago, and he's been in the AHL for Nashville this year. Uh, but I really do like this matchup for Dallas one. On the Nashville side, like I get wanting to play them because like Scott Wedgwood is just Scott Wedgwood. Like it's just not something that I'm, I'm super concerned about. Um, the one of the reasons I really want to play them is I think like Haskinen's obviously a massive loss for this team. Like, out of, you know, forget our excitement for Harley. I am really excited for Thomas Harley, but the one of the reasons why you know Harley was able to thrive is because you'd have Haskinen playing ahead of him, right? And now Harley is the guy they're, that they're going to have to lean on, and that means more ice time and bigger roles for guys down the lineup that aren't ready. Guys like you know if Longfist or or, or Hanley or uh, Hawk and, you know, I hate to slander Hawk and Paw, but he, like, I don't think he could, he's necessarily like a number three defenseman or whatever. So I kind of like Nashville one here. Like this is, um, this is a spot with almost no ownership, 1.3% ownership. So they're coming in with positive leverage, you know, Dallas is without Haskin in They're without Ottinger, number one goalie, number one defenseman. It's pushing all their defensemen in, in wrong situations. Like, I think it's a really good spot for Dallas one. Both top lines are coming in under own tonight, and like they're like it's a three and a half total for Dallas. This is not a nothing total. It's three and a half even without Haskin and out. So I think I prefer Dallas one, but I wouldn't overlook Nashville one uh, if I'm making a bunch of lineups here tonight. Haskin not always the best DFS play, so people might not realize how good he actually is. 
like I, I don't like comparing him to the Rangers because I'm a Rangers fan and it sounds homerish, but like before Fox got hurt, the Rangers were one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Like they, they just were. That month that Fox was out, and they still haven't recovered since Fox has come back, but like their defensive numbers fell off a cliff. Like it's very possible without Hayskinen that their defensive numbers are going to take a pretty big dive here. It's especially like with the second and third pairs off, off the ice. Like once Harley, like if Harley's on the bench, like you're relying on Suter or Lungfist or Hockenpah or whatever to try to control. This Nashville, the only thing that might save Dallas is that they're the home team, so they can leave Harley out against. But even Harley's like, I like him a lot. He's a great offensive defenseman. He's not like a defensive stalwart yet. You know what I mean? Like he's not a, a complete shut. That he's not a Charlie McAvoy or anything like that. So I mean, it's just something to think about. They don't have much there for, in terms of defensive defensemen. So I don't know. Something to uh, chew on. Ottawa Senators with a three total. Heading into Edmonton, the Oilers have a four total. Seven doesn't feel high enough for this game, honestly. Like, these these teams are just dumpster fires defensively. Edmonton won up to 23,100, still cheaper than Colorado won when they were rolling. Positive leverage, under 9% here. Ottawa's penalty kill has been... They've... It's been so bad. It's been atrocious. They've gotten worse defensively since DJ Smith has gotten fired somehow. I know how, but, you know, I don't think uh, these coaches know how. What, I, I'm out of things to say about Edmonton 1. They're fully correlated. It's a great matchup. They're expensive. So many lines. You can fit with them here tonight. Play them if you want. Edmonton 2 coming in with a – they're 14,300, right? And they're coming in with 8.2% projected compared to the top line at 8.7. Now, you'd say, oh, why Why would you just do that when you can just play Edmonton 1-1? They're $9,000 cheaper. Two, Leon Dreisel and Warren Fogel legitimately have ridiculously good numbers together. So uh, it's a very good matchup regardless. It does feel bad not using McDavid in a Edmonton stack especially in a very good power play matchup like this, but like you can add McDavid to a, a, a dry sidle Fogel stack and call it a day because I don't know. Fogel might actually be their best forward five on five, not McDavid. You know what I mean? So I don't mind that. The question here is what to do with Ottawa because at first glance, I want to bang my head out against the wall for having Norris on the top line, but like, Edmonton sucks defensively. Their penalty kill is great. Stutzla Giroux Tarasenko coming in at 1%. Like, Drysaddle, Fogel, McLeod, don't get me wrong. They're probably the best defensive second line Edmonton's had since, like, the Cold War. But, like, it's still only league average. So, like, I don't mind Stutzla Giroux Tarasenko here. I think... I even think you can power play stack Ottawa here. These teams take a lot of penalties. This could be a, a power play bonanza. So, like, I think you seriously have to consider Ottawa here. Yeah. I, I mean, I like what you said about Edmonton. I, and I hate saying it because it's, like, really obvious. But, like, Edmonton is my favorite stack on the entire slate. Um, Ottawa's penalty kill is just really, really bad. Whether it was under DJ Smith or under Jacques Martin, it's just, you know, fringe bottom 10 shots against and even worse by goals against. Uh, 
you know, Edmonton does draw a lot of power plays. I think they're fifth or, or sixth over the last two months in power play opportunities per game. So if they get like four power plays against Ottawa, it, it like, I'm not predicting they're going to go like three for four on the power play or something, but it certainly wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. Like I really, really do like Edmonton's top line here. It's Ottawa. I want to talk about more because that's Stutzler, Giroud, Tarasenko line, like Stutzler and Tarasenko 2.8 expected goals for per 60 minutes since Jacques Martin got there. Not great, but above average. And you were talking about that Edmonton second line, only 60 minutes together, a little under 60 minutes, 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes for that Edmonton second line. They're they're kind of like the the Pittsburgh line when Brian Rust was up there is like they're creating a lot offensively, but they're also giving up quite a bit defensively as well. I think that's a good matchup for Ottawa too here. And Edmonton is, I think they're the, the second most penalized team in the league behind Anaheim over the last two months. Uh, and Ottawa has been splitting their power play unit time. Uh, over their last five games, um, Ottawa's top unit is about like two minutes to 2.20 per game. And the second unit is at about a minute 50 per game. So like there's a difference of like 20 seconds a game between the two units. And Tarasenko and Giroux are both on the second unit. So I kind of like Ottawa too here. Like you mentioned, not much ownership, 1% uh, coming in with positive leverage. I don't know if I would necessarily get there in a single entry. If I was playing 20 max, they would certainly be in man mix. And obviously they would be in 150. So I like, like I said, Edmonton's my favorite. Edmonton top line is my favorite stack on this entire slate. I think Ottawa is getting a little bit uh, over like underappreciated here, let's say, because they are bad, but they can still score goals. And Edmonton's goaltending is still Edmonton's goaltending. Yeah. Like they have a three road total. It's not like they have like a 2.2, you know what I mean? It's a three, which is higher than St. Louis, who we like, higher than Nashville, who we like, higher than Tampa. These are all road teams, you know what I mean? So, like, they have the highest – no, they don't. But, like, three is nothing to sneeze about. So, yeah, I think they're getting a little underappreciated here. <laughs> Play my man Stutzla. What has he done to you? New York Islanders with a 2.8 total heading into Las Vegas. The Golden Knights have a 3.2 total. This is sneakily one of the best power play spots on the night for both sides. <laughs> Unfortunately, like we talk about like how the Sharks usually on the slate, like this game is just bleh. I just uh, so you were mentioning to me the line matching about this game. Vegas sends out their third line against Topcom recently because they've just been bad, right? And that would put Eichel, Marcheseau, Barbashev out against Islanders' second line, Islanders' third line, Islanders' fourth line. None of these, like, when we talk about line matching, this isn't like a hard, hard match unless we say this is going to be a hard, hard match. You know what I mean? So, like, they're going to see some of the second line, some of the third line, some of the fourth line here. Islanders' third line has been atrocious defensively. It's like if there's a time to jump back on the Islanders or the uh, Vegas bandwagon, I think it's tonight. Like you can leave Barbashev off, whatever. Eichel Marshall, so Barbashev, I'm interested in. They're coming in projected 7%. The second line, Stone, Stevenson, Dorfiev, coming in projected 10%. No, just no. Like I'm just going to the top line there. 
Interesting thing to do here is what to do with the honor side because everyone thinks, you know, Vegas, they won the Stanley Cup. They're this good defensive team. They have this great power or penalty kill. Their penalty kill has been sliding for the past month. The honors power play has been good. Like they've legitimately been good. And they're getting no ownership here. So, like, I don't mind going to the honors top line. Don't even mind Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri. Like, this is a sneaky good power play matchup and they have a 2.8 total i don't know I, I like both sides of this game and i wish i didn't because again i'm probably gonna have to stay up late and watch it yeah i the only thing that worries me is like sending out the nick roy line might actually be the, the best defensive line that vegas has now you know what i mean like that, oh, that, that, that mean? no but like that <laughs> I, I like i do like roy i saw will bill carrier is going to be out that kind of sucks because uh, he's a guy that can certainly help to make that line go. But um, it is Vegas one that I like best here. I agree with you. Marsha. So he has 43 shots over his last 10 games. And when you, when you have that kind of shot volume, all you need is one lucky night and you're just absolutely going to fill the net. Like you talk about how bad the Islanders third line is defensively. The Islanders second line hasn't been much better. They've been sliding basically since the first month of the season over the last three weeks, they're at 3.8 expected goals against 4.9 actual goals against for 60 minutes. Like, that's a really good matchup for Eichel and company. Um, you know, at that top line uh, for Vegas, three expected goals per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. You get two out of three guys on top power play unit. I noticed the power play is starting to even out a little bit. And it's basically as productive as it was when Shea Theodore was there. Um, it's just a 5-on-5 five five that's, that's kind of hurt. But the Islanders just give up so much defensively. Like, we'll talk about goalies later. Ilya Sorokin's facing, facing the most shots per minute of any goalie, any regular starting goalie in the league. Like, more than anyone from San Jose, more than anyone from Chicago. Like, the Islanders give up a ton of shots. And if Sorokin's, you know, not, you know, 100% on his game, that's when the goals can come. Like, I really do like Vegas one here. Uh, not coming in with a ton of ownership. They're coming in at about 7%. Top two stack, 9.5%. That's good positive leverage. Um, I agree with you. I don't think you have to play Barbashev. Uh, I don't think, you know, you want to put on stone or something like that for extra power play, um, you know, exposure. I think that's fine, but it is Vegas one that I like best here. Yeah. I just, can the NHL just make some late games that I don't like just one night so I can get some sleep? No. Anyway. No. Have you ever met the, have you ever met <laughs> the NHL schedulers? No. Probably the same people who make the contest sizing on DraftKings. So we'll get them in the room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> coming up after us in uh, about 20 minutes, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, NFL Live Before Lock with Greg Ehrenberg and Neil. 6 p.m. NBA Live Before Lock with our pal Emac and Greg Ehrenberg. Greg's a busy man on the Saturday. Emac's the man, by the way. He helped us out the other day. Truly, truly one of the, the good guys. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen here. Top of the board, we got Quinn Hughes in the in the Hughes Bowl again. I don't know if Jack's going to be playing, but I like Quinn. Like, it is expensive to go, you know, Van Power Play, but it is a pretty good spot. Noah Dobson's pretty interesting at 7K. I think the guys that stand out to me are Yossi. Uh, Bouchard and Petrangelo up at the top. Who are you liking up there and everywhere else? 
Yeah, Bouchard and Petrangelo were the two guys one two on my list. I'll also add Rasmus Dahlin. Um, I liked him last game, played Mathis. I chose Matheson instead, but it was a too expensive defenseman. Dahlin's just he's kind of trying to do it all himself right now. And while that might not be good for the team, that's really good for DFS. His peripherals have been sky high over the last few weeks. Uh, Mid-price range, like Thomas Harley, uh, Brock Faber, one, two. Uh, actually, I have Faber number one uh, just because of the matchup. But uh, Faber and Harley, one, two in that mid-price range. Also, Brent Burns as well. And I'll mention Braden McNabb. Um, a ton of shot blocks for McNabb in, in a, what should be a high-paced matchup against the Islanders. I think he has a chance for that again. So I don't mind him on DK. Uh, for cheaper defensemen, I saw you talking about uh, Shimon Nemich on, on Twitter yesterday. Like, I, I I had kind of the same observation um, a, co- a couple games before that when I was watching New Jersey. Like, he he's the, one of the most impressive rookie defensemen I've watched in a long time. Like, he looks so good. So, um, Essa Lindell uh, from Dallas. He's probably going to have to play some more minutes. I mentioned Keandre Miller. He's not a guy that puts up a lot of peripherals, but he's a guy that is aggressive and jumping into the play. And it, it, against... Second and third lines from Montreal. I think that's exactly what you want. Nick Purbix was the guy I wrote up in my picks article. He's been 21, 25, and 26 minutes, I think, uh, since all the defensemen got hurt. He should see a lot of minutes. Uh, Jake Middleton, same thing for Minnesota. For super cheap defensemen, the two that really stand out are the other Sebastian Ajo from the Islanders. He's been playing like 19, 20 minutes of late with all those injuries. And I'll mention Jake Bean as well uh, from Columbus, uh, 2,900, getting reasonable minutes. And Minnesota uh, has a lot of injuries of their own. I'm always a Jake Bean guy. I'm a big. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, we do like Bake Jean here. Yeah, that just confused me. Let's <laughs> 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 talk a little, little bit about goalies here. Marty Jones, top of the board, eighty five hundred. Like, no, like there. I, I would make a cash game argument for him that this is a winnable game for the Leafs, but. Like, if the Leafs lose this game three to two in overtime, I'll wake up tomorrow. Go, man, sure. So, like, I don't know. Like, Marty Jones, Stuart Skinner at the top, then Ranta, like, Yari, not like, then Wedgwood and Flurry and Quick. You know what I mean? Then Logan Thompson, like none of these guys up at the top of the board are super trustworthy. Not that any goalie is super trustworthy, but when you're locking in guys AK and above, you really want that win equity. What we like to target here at stochastic.com is shot volume. And as you mentioned, uh, Sorokin sees the most shots, 7,400. He kind of stands out there. Montembeau, if you really like – Rangers are a pretty high-volume team. It, it could get a little feisty there. Just saying. Uka Pekka Lukanen. I just wanted to say that. Um, actually, I don't mind him, to be honest with you. Mackenzie Blackwood interests me. If Lucas Dostal can do it. McK- How funny would it be if the Devils let Mackenzie Blackwood walk and then they traded for him at the deadline? <laughs> they might have to. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. But, uh, yeah, like goalie sucks tonight. So, I don't know play the guys who you like, but Sorokin stands out. Yeah, Sorokin, easily number one on my board. Uh, shot volume, uh, reasonable price. Um, you know, he could even, like, he could let up four goals and, like, say 40, 44 or something like that and still just be perfectly fine. So, I do like uh, Sorokin here tonight. 
For the expensive goalies, the two that stood out were uh, Logan Thompson on the other side of that game and Tristan Jari because P- Buffalo's been picking up their own uh, shot volume uh, of late. Uh, as long as Jari doesn't want to have one of his, you know, classic Jari games, um, he could put up a pretty good DFS score. But it's the cheaper goalies. I usually like cheaper goalies anyway. I think, like you said, there's just a lot of a, a bad expensive ones. And there's the cheaper goalies I do like. Sorokin, he's not super cheap, but uh, Tarasov back in net for Columbus. Uh, he's at home, 7,200. Um, could see some uh, good shot volume without Kaprizov on the other side. Uh, Jordan, I think it's Jordan Bennington starting for St. Louis. Going into Carolina, Carolina uh, on that back-to-back. Uh, don't mind him. And uh, UC Saros, uh, 7,300, starting for Nashville. Uh, we'll see if he actually gets the start. I know there was some thought that um, he might get uh, he might get a rest tonight. Um, but I honestly don't see why because they're off, they're off for a couple more days before they play Anaheim and they can play their backup then. So um, I do like UC Saros as well. Yeah, I'll just add Dr. Demko if Hughes – I mean, like, taking Hughes out might hurt their shot volume. But, like, if the Devils do create without Hughes, it's probably not going to be as high quality. So I don't mind Demko either. Probably a little shot volume concern, but I don't know. Goalies are just mythical creatures. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Uh, I'm going to go um, with the guy represented on your jersey right behind you. I'm going with Jimmy Stu, Tim Stutzler tonight. Oh, man. Uh, I'm a big Stutzler guy. Hasn't had the best season, probably because he's been saddled with some interesting line combinations here. I don't even know who I'm going with here. Uh, ah, Marty Jones. No, I'm just kidding. Um, going Pavel Buchnevich. I like the Blues, man. I don't know. Yeah, I mean – that, that good spot for it with Ronte and that almost certainly yeah. starting. So we'll see what happens. I used to love Ronte too. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, age catches up, man. Comes for all of us. I hear that. We will be back on Tuesday. We'll be back on Tuesday, man. Yeah. Like, thank you. Thank you guys for all the super chats. And uh, remember, if you want to go premium, do it through the affiliate link, please. You guys rock. We love you. Good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone. <laughs>